Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Wednesday. It is August 30th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We've certainly been moving some things around in today's program. We're unfortunately not going to be able to catch up with Eric Goodman from Mile High Sports to chat all things Denver Broncos. Bob and I will preview the Broncos, doing our best with that around 10.15 today. We'll take your phone calls, 10.30 and 11.15-602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. But let's dive into it with the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. The 2023 Denver Broncos over 8.5 wins or under 8.5 wins. The masses right now are on the underside at 60 percent of the vote over sitting at 37 percent yeah this organization unfortunately has been a disaster since they you know they won the super bowl 2016 uh peyton manning's final game there uh since then they've gone through quarterbacks coaches general managers uh it's just been a mess um you know they've lost 10 or more games i believe it's now five of the last six seasons uh they've been bad uh, last year was obviously horrendous, 5-12. and 12. Russell Wilson was supposed to be brought in to change things around. I didn't think very highly of the Broncos before last season. Also, you know, last year that Wilson was in Seattle, I didn't think he was – the last couple years he was there, I didn't think he was anywhere near what he was. But I did not imagine that it could have been as bad as it was last year, 5-12, and 12, Nathaniel Hackett pretty much ripped before he even played a game as a head coach or coached a game uh, the regular season. And then that first regular season game, the clock management in that game was horrendous, and they, they lost that game, and uh, the season just you know went downhill from there. Uh, he didn't even make it through the season. Hackett did. He's gone uh, since then. He's gone running back to Aaron Rodgers, uh, not in Green Bay, but with the Jets. And – yeah, you know, Hackett's been part of Hard Knocks. Uh, I didn't see last night's Hard Knocks. My apologies. I'm going to get that. I just didn't have time last night. Too much stuff going on. But uh, I'm a little surprised that Hackett hasn't been more of a part of Hard Knocks. But uh, he has, uh, at least through the first three episodes, was he was in there. But it was, I thought there'd be a whole lot more of him. Uh, but I'm, I'm not upset that there hasn't been. Uh, you know, I don't think I have no interest in Nathaniel Hackett, quite frankly, as an offensive coordinator. But I thought there'd be that'd be more of a storyline. But anyway, he was terrible. Didn't even make it through the season. And the bottom line now is that uh, they've actually got a professional head coach in there who has a won a won a Super Bowl before. And Sean Payton is now the head coach. Sorry, uh, I went a little longer than I anticipated there. But that thing shot that like that that's. That's rumor has it that's not the first time that's happened. <laughs> that's all right. I mean, uh, Nathaniel Hackett was certainly um, it was an experiment gone wrong, right? 
Absolutely. Also, they had a lot of injuries, and that some of their better players sucked. So, bad combination. <laughs> <laughs> we'll answer today's poll question around 1130. Still time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping it on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. Should the Colts have traded Jonathan Taylor? Uh, I am actually seeing this here. Maybe this is a bit of surprise for you. We all knew that the Dolphins were in on uh, the Jonathan Taylor trade, but the surprise team that was interested and reportedly being in talks here, according to Adam Schefter, was the Green Bay Packers, but the masses here are on the yes side of things at 77.1%, no trailing at 22.9%. Yeah, I mentioned the Packers were in on the talks in the first hour during the sports zone, but I'm not that surprised. I'm guessing that any offer would have involved A.J. Dillon, um, who apparently has not been great either in in shape or as impressive as the Packers hoped he would be uh, during training camp in the preseason. So I'm guessing that was part of uh, any trade package involving uh, the Packers and the Colts. We will answer that question as well around 1130. We'll get into the uh, more of the NFL cut down day in hour two. We'll talk about how it pertains to the Arizona Cardinals, some surprise moves or lack thereof across the league uh, in hour two. We'll also get into the Denver Broncos side of things uh, at 1015. But now let's start into the Arizona Diamondbacks from last night. Kind of looking forward to that matchup yesterday with Merrill Kelly and Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers got the scoring started right away away in that first inning off of Merrill Kelly. He ended up only going five innings, uh, 12 hits, seven runs, three walks, one strikeout. Meanwhile, Clayton Karshaw was very good. He also went five innings, three hits, one run, three walks, five strikeouts, one home run on 79 pitches as the Dodgers went on to win 9-1. to one. Yeah, I, I can't share enthusiasm that I was looking forward to this because of Merrill Kelly's history against the Dodgers. He's now started uh, – 15 games against them. He is 0-11 in those starts, and he's gotten killed in some of those starts. Now, there was some hope because he actually had pitched well against the Dodgers earlier in August, Uh, but, uh, you know, he's just – there's certain teams that destroy you. And the Dodgers have not just beaten Merrill Kelly, they have destroyed Merrill Kelly throughout the majority of his career with the Diamondbacks. Unfortunately, that's true. In all yesterday, Los Angeles had 16 hits, and this was surprising. Mookie Betts ended up hitting his career-high 36th home run last night. I guess I didn't realize that that was a career-high number for, for Mookie. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, you know, I, you know I, I wasn't terribly surprised that you know, he had not, uh, you know, I don't know if he'd ever been over 30 before this year. Uh, but we'll see, and there's no juice ball anymore to our knowledge, and we've now gone through an entire season almost, and there hasn't been like, oh, the ball's juiced, which you know seemingly happens at some point every year, or the ball's not juiced or whatever. There's been uh, kind of lost in the shuffle with all the good things happening in Major League Baseball. I think people have kind of forgotten uh, to get into, well, is the ball juiced or is it not juiced? I think we've just kind of dis- decided that, you know, the humidors that have been in, uh, put in many places, if not every place now in Major League Baseball, that's had a, a you know, positive effect on, ba- on, the, on the sport itself and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, Mookie, uh, you can make a case that he should be the National League MVP right now, and I don't think anybody would have imagined anybody other than Ronald Acuna 
being the uh, NL MVP. It's not like he's doing poorly, Acuna. He's gonna, you know, he's setting all kinds of records and stolen bases and home runs in the same season, etc. Uh, but I also think Acuna's. Uh, I think his uh, excellence this year, and he's been a much better outfielder this year too, by the way. He's always had the skills, but sometimes he didn't always apply the skills on a consistent basis in right field. Uh, but I think the, the Braves' success throughout their lineup, I think that Acuna has almost been hurt some by his you know guilt by association type of thing. Uh, that uh, And he, he's been tremendous. I would still vote for Acuna. But yeah, you know, I've certainly I've said for years now, uh, when everybody was telling me that Mike Trout was the best player in baseball, uh, I said five years ago that Mookie Betts is the best player in baseball, and uh, you know, this year though I think that Ronald Cunha should be the National League Most Valuable Player. He's also fending off people giving him hugs too, so he can do it all. <laughs> That's true. That was or whatever they're doing out there, and that would be a terrible. I can't imagine. That's going to be a really scary situation oh, for definitely. an athlete. I mean, my God, you don't know what these guys are think people are thinking, and it's not in your home ballpark. You know, that would make I think that would make a bit of a difference. You might think there's th- these guys are allies and they like me, but you're sitting in Colorado and who knows? So that was uh, a scary situation on Monday night. Absolutely. Uh, Back to the Diamondbacks here. They were riding some momentum with the series win against the Rangers as well as against the Reds. And now they've lost two uh, games so far here in L.A. against the Dodgers. They're trying to avoid getting swept tonight. It's going to be Brandon Fott, 1-6, 5.91 ERA, 60 strikeouts versus Ryan Piot, uh, Pepiot. uh, Pepio. Pepio. Oh, is that French? Pepio. Pepio. Uh, he's zero. What, whatever. I did, shockingly, I didn't take that class. Uh, I took four years. I took four years of Spanish, and that really helped me out a lot in life. Uh, we'll, we'll see what Spanish you remember in break. Uh, he has a. No, t- I don't. I don't remember anything. <laughs> I mean, I took four years from 1970. God Almighty, 1974. Uh, somewhere in there through the took two years in high school and took two years in college it was to put it that way thought it would help out that time I didn't know I was going to be a sports guy I thought I might even get into news reporting believe it or not and I thought that would help my situation there and it just you know, what, you know just a complete waste of my time god bless the Spanish language but Man, I that went away. I could have done something else. <laughs> Anything else. <laughs> well, Ryan here uh, for the Dodgers, two ERA, eleven strikeouts so far. And he's really good. Uh, he's a well. I should rephrase that. I mean, he's a high one of another highly. Uh, 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 he has a high pedigree. He's expected to be good. He's been up and down the last couple of years in the major leagues to the minor leagues. I've had him on a fantasy team off and on for a couple of years where we can add and drop players on a daily basis. Uh, and when he's on, he's really good. And uh, if he's on for the next month or so, that could really help the Dodgers because their rotation, obviously, Tony Gonsolin. Now officially, uh, the Dodgers announced on Monday, officially headed for Tommy John surgery. I believe he's going to have that on Friday. And uh, unfortunately, that means Gonsolin not obviously out for he's out for the rest of this season. But uh, unfortunately for the Dodgers, there seems to be no chance if he's going to have the surgery now uh, that he's going to pitch at all next season. 
Yes, absolutely. That is, uh, and it's frustrating for Gonsolin too, who's working his way back from previous injuries as well. True, and uh, yeah, he was tremendous last season, and really, yeah, he tried to pitch in the playoffs last year, but he was obviously, obviously, you know, still hurting towards the end of last year, and yeah, he had the one start again when they got beat by the Padres in the playoffs after they you know, literally finished like twenty some games ahead of them in the regular season, and they lost the playoff series. He tried to pitch in that series, and if I remember correctly, he didn't even make it two or through two or three innings. He was out, and you just watched him. I watched him a lot last year because I had him on a fantasy team, uh, so I, you know, familiar with him, and you know, I knew immediately in that first inning that he wasn't right. Following along with the NL standings here in the race for that wild card spot, you have the Giants uh, taking on the Reds in a pivotal series, and the Giants topped the Reds yesterday 6-1. to one. Alex Cobb, he was one out away from a no-hitter before Spencer Steer doubled in the ninth, uh, so he ended up going nine innings, one hit, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts, 131 pitches. That's a lot. Uh, but, you know, they were trying to get him as no-hitter. I was a little surprised that the – you know, that they left him in there, you know, two outs in the ninth inning. He actually you know, got the last, got struck out the final batter of the game after that. I thought maybe they'd take him out then, but I guess, you know, what's the difference between like 126 and 131 pitches at that point? Uh, but he only allowed one walk, obviously just the one hit, struck out eight. His slider yesterday was unbelievable, and the Reds had no chance uh, against that. And uh, today it's uh, – yeah, Hunter Green, who has been awful, and his two starts coming off the injured list. He's been shelled both times, gave up nine runs a couple of Sundays ago in his first start back against Toronto, and the Diamondbacks had no problems uh, bashing him around Chase Field last Friday night. Uh, but he's going to make another start here. Uh, his season earned run average after the last two starts is now up to 506. Logan Webb goes for the Giants, and he hasn't been good lately. Uh, he has uh, not won in any of his last four starts. Now, if you remember the Giants before this series against the against the Reds had a you know, lengthy, uh, not a losing streak, but I believe it was they lost 12 out of 15 games before they started this series against the Reds. And Webb's been part of the one of the victims there, even though he has not pitched well in a couple of those starts. And his earned run average as a result is now at 3.51 for the season. So taking a look at the NL standings here, you have the Braves at 86 and 45, the Dodgers 82 and 49, the Brewers 74 and 58. In the wild card positions right now, the Phillies 74 and 58, the Cubs 70 and 62, the Giants now occupying that last spot at 69 and 63. On the outside looking in, the Diamondbacks 69 and 64, a half game back, the Reds two games back, and the Marlins three games back uh plenty to get into more for the rays in the Marlins series plus more around the american league we'll dive into more baseball upcoming in today's extra points but as it is right now we'll step aside and we'll get into the denver broncos discussion and uh figure out their schedule and some of the, who's playing who's not playing for the denver broncos but one thing to note here the vince lombardi cancer foundation is excited to take its 50 plus year history of one-of-a-kind charitable golf outings and events to scottsdale arizona for year two of the lombardi southwest open it's all happening september 16th at talking stick resort for 
For more information, go to LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. Once again, that's LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open, taking place September 16th at Talking Stick Resort. More Extra Point is coming up next right here on KDOS AM 1060. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. Twenty-three, right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is the extra point getting into the Denver Broncos. Their win loss total is eight and a half wins. It's part of the KDOS1060.com poll question. We were hoping to catch up with Eric Goodman. Uh, some family matters attended for him today. So unfortunately, we will not be able to be joined by Eric Goodman, but we'll talk uh, Broncos ourselves here in this segment. And for the Denver Broncos, obviously the big news here is the acquisition of Sean Payton coming to be their next head coach coach and I think Bob you know what we initially saw right away in camps is there's a new sheriff in town and it's going to there was a lot of changes that were being made some of the preferential treatment that maybe was uh garnered previously that all went away and it's Sean Payton's uh Sean Payton's team yeah taking your sheriff theme there uh the last time they won a playoff game was when the sheriff was there. In fact, they it's haven't true. made the playoffs since uh, since Peyton Manning was the quarterback and they won the Super Bowl. They have not even been in the playoffs since then. They've lost at least ten games in five of the last six seasons. So it was you not know, just a you know the thing they were spinning uh, out of control. They've gone through quarterbacks and general managers and head coaches. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, all the coaches since Kubiak left after they won that Super Bowl, were first-year head coaches, and obviously some, including Mr. Hackett, completely in over their head. So they completely got away from that. They've had an ownership change, which everybody seems to think is a positive thing as far as, a, as, far as the, uh, the Broncos are concerned. And they went on and got a Super Bowl-winning coach in Sean Payton. And uh, this, uh, everything seems to be different. Like the first thing that he did, or one of the first things, is uh, you basically tell Russell Wilson that your personal quarterback coach is no longer in the building. He's not here anymore. Uh, and uh, that uh, kind of, uh, uh, if you're going to you know, crack down on your alleged best player or certainly the highest paid player, and he's paid for seemingly forever with the ridiculous contract extension that they granted to Russell Wilson before last season. Uh, so they you know, basically, Peyton told Russell Wilson that, you know, who was in charge at that point. And uh, I assume things have followed along okay. Uh, we'll say the, the injury situation's a mess, though. We'll get into that in a moment. 
Yeah, to your point here, the Russell Wilson contract here, there is a potential out uh, in 2026, but uh, he is guaranteed at signing $124 million, total guaranteed $161 million over the course of his contract extension there. And that's where I think it all starts for this Denver Broncos team is was Russell Wilson's struggles last year just because he was in a new environment, the coaching, uh, the offensive line play, uh, some of the injuries, injuries that they sustained, the lack of being able to get in and out of the huddle, the lack of being able to get in and out of plays, uh, those sorts of just kind of logistical matters, were they're now gone. Nathaniel Hackett's gone. So were those the cause of concern for Russell Wilson, or is there a significant drop in play? And now the other question here is, can Sean Payton somewhat resurrect Russell Wilson? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, but you know, I'm somebody that you know, two years ago, his last two years in Seattle, I thought there was a you know, serious decline in play. Uh, he didn't make near, near. I said this many times uh, when the Cardinals were even playing against him in the Seattle days, is that you know he his best days in Seattle, at least against the Cardinals, I actually think that he hurt them more with his legs than he did his arm. Uh, not necessarily just running for first downs, but you know, making something out of nothing and uh, ad-libbing plays. And he didn't do that much in his last couple years in Seattle. I just don't think he's capable, physically capable of doing that anymore uh, at the age of 33 or whatever he is now. Uh, so that's, I don't think that's going to get any better. Unfortunately for him, this injury situation with the receivers – has been borderline disastrous so far. Tim Patrick, one of the most underrated players in the NFL, went down. He's been out before, unfortunately, but he also went down like the I think it was the first or second day of training camp with an Achilles injury. He's obviously out for the season. Jerry Judy went down last week with a hamstring injury. Now I think it's good news. I was going to ask Eric about this. Unfortunately, he can't join us today, but. I think it's good news that they didn't put him on pup, the pup list or IR uh, yesterday. So I assume that means that Judy will be back within four weeks or they would have just put him on the pup list. So that could be a good thing. The bad news is Judy's been amongst the league leaders and drop passes uh, throughout his NFL career, which is somewhat surprising because I don't think I recall seeing any of that when he was at Alabama. Tremendous route runner. Uh, still, but it doesn't really matter how good a route you run if you can't catch the damn ball. And we saw him drop two passes in the preseason game here against the Cardinals. Yes, we did. And just in general for that wide receiver room, uh, those that made the initial 53-man roster, Jerry Judy, as you mentioned, not on IR or the pup list, Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, and Brandon Johnson. So they're so far riding with just yeah. four receivers. That just, I think, also expresses what happened in camp for them with sev- several of those key injuries. And I believe they added a couple of wide receivers off the waiver wire in the last you know, few hours here this morning. I don't have a note here of who they are, but I know that they added at least one. So we'll see what's up with that. Uh, you mentioned uh, Cortland Sutton. He was expected to be a you know, really uh, mesh. It seemed like, and I actually thought this would work out last year. If Wilson was going to be successful with any receiver, I thought it would be Sutton because Wilson, even in his you know, last days in Seattle, could still throw the deep ball. And at one time, I think Wilson threw the best deep ball in the NFL. I don't think it's quite to that level anymore. But it's, Sutton's like a, you know, he's had success as a deep ball you know, pass receiver. That didn't work out either. 
Uh, and Sutton's season last year was pretty much a disaster. And it wasn't all because of Wilson. You know, it's hard to go deep if you don't have an offensive line that can block. And, you know, they, uh, needless to say, they had offensive line injuries to some key players. Also, I think the most important thing that we saw from uh, from Sean Payton, this is not surprising because, you know, he's a Bill Parcells disciple and you've got to build the offensive line. Uh, they guaranteed Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers like $60 million between them. And those are going to be uh, two of their uh, starting offensive linemen, obviously, for I'm sure they're not just thinking this year, but for years to come. And uh, getting McGlinchey away from the 49ers, I think, is really the biggest question I have about the 49ers entering the season, other than whether Bosa is going to be there or not. Flipping this on to the defensive side of the ball, the defense, uh, they had really good moments last year under uh, Ijiro Avero, but he is now the new defensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers. In comes Vance Joseph to work with Sean Payton here. You also have a former Cardinal in Zach Allen who got a free agent contract with the Broncos, so he's going to be their defensive end, along with Vance Joseph, the former Arizona Cardinals defensive coordinator, manning operations there. This defense, I thought, was really, really good last year, especially when you consider how many bad positions the offense, being so uh, poor, put their de- they just put their defense in bad, bad situations all the time. They only uh, they finished seventh in the league in yards allowed, uh, and then thirteenth in points allowed. But thirteenth in points allowed, I think, is very misleading because there were so many turnovers. In you know, you know, in you know, the, some in the red zone, but certainly inside the 50-yard line, uh, and for them to have those good of numbers, considering everything else that was going on on the other side of the ball, I think is very impressive. Uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, you know Vance Joseph's in there. It certainly seems like the personnel. Uh, some of the you know, couple guys he actually he used to be the head coach there back in the day. Uh, one of those first-year head coaches that didn't work out that I mentioned after uh, Gary after uh, uh, Gary Kubiak left, but it seems like Joseph's aggressive style, which we saw here, kind of fits their personnel, and they certainly have the secondary. They've got an elite secondary. Uh, they they have guys that can cover man to man. If you want to do that and uh, be a you know, blitz happy you know, coordinator, and uh, so that seems to be a good fit. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Zach Allen does. He had some very good moments here, was pretty productive the last couple of years, win healthy with the Cardinals, so he's got to stay healthy. He's also replacing Draymond Jones, who was really good uh, the last couple of years. He got a whole lot of money to go to Seattle, and Denver wasn't willing to match that. They invested in the offensive line with McGlinchey and Powers, as I mentioned, instead. But uh, we'll see how Allen ends up doing there. I think he's going to be a good player. But as, even if he plays really well or better than he ever has in his career, I'm not sure he's going to be as good as Draymond Jones was the last couple years in Denver. He was he, literally an elite defensive lineman and down defensive lineman. You talk about being on an island, certainly having Patrick Sertan helps with that uh, as one of your stud young corners on the defensive side of the ball. And 
special teams has been an area of concern for the Denver Broncos. We saw here in that preseason game them going through a plethora of different kickers and trying them out on a rotational basis, including Brett Maher. He has been cut, and instead the Broncos are going with none of the kickers that were in camp this year. They actually traded for Saints kicker Will Lutz, so he's rejoining uh, Sean Payton. Yeah, and it's been a disaster for several years running. Yeah, really pretty much since the Super Bowl. Six seasons, they've been terrible in special teams. They've gone through kickers. They've gone through punters, returners, gunners, I'm sure, everything. Uh, And, uh, you know, Peyton brought in his own special teams guy. Uh, So it's just been a a good move there. But, uh, yeah, the special teams, borderline teams become bad teams. If you can at least hold your own in special teams, and I can't imagine there are a few teams in football, I'm not exaggerating here at all, that have lost more games that were winnable because of poor special teams than the Broncos have in the last four or five, six years. Absolutely. Uh, We will get into their schedule on the other side of the break, this AFC West division, and we'll talk about that next. But we'll also make room for your phone calls. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program. Give us a call now. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Uh, But we'll also dive into the Denver Broncos schedule and more from around the NFL. It is the Extra Point. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com with the K. Radio uh, 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports on this Wednesday, August 30th. Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. KDUS AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Up until noon today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, continuing our Denver Bronco discussion. If you'd like to join, you can. 602-260-1060. We'll take your calls now and talk to you shortly. 602-260-1060 is the number. But with the Denver Broncos here, looking at their schedule, uh, week number one, they start off hosting the Raiders. Then week two, they're welcoming in the Commanders. Week three, they are at the Dolphins. Week four, at the Bears. Week five versus the Jets. Week six at the Chiefs, which is a Thursday night game. Week seven versus the Packers. Week eight versus the Chiefs, and that leads them into their week nine bye. Yeah, I break these schedules down by quarters for the most part. I know that's not mathematically completely uh, accurate these days with a 17 game schedule, but I still do it kind of first four and next four and, you know, I'll figure it out as we go along. But I do think that first four games of the season gives Sean Payton and his you know, new, you know, you know, system and, you know, everything else involved 
gives them an, I think they have an opportunity to get some confidence here. First up, their first two games are at home, and Denver has a tremendous record for many, many years for the most part, not every year, but for many, many years. A really good record playing at home in September in altitude when teams aren't used to that kind of thing. I think it's an altitude thing for a lot of the year, but it's their record in September in home games literally historically has been astronomically good for them, not just straight up and against the spread, by the way. So first two games, Las Vegas and Washington at home. Then they go to Miami, and then they go to Chicago. I think there's a chance that they could be – they're not going to be favored in Miami unless just something amazing happens, but uh, good or bad. Uh, but I think they have a chance to be favored in three of the first four games because I don't think the odds maker thinks as much of the Bears as some of the general public does. So I think that's a good chance for you know Peyton to get his point across and have some early success. And maybe they'll, uh, the players, if they don't already completely buy in, they might at that point. They do have a couple of horrendous scheduling stretches, though. Uh, they play two games against Kansas City and Buffalo in a five-week stretch uh, from October 12th through uh, December the 13th. That stretch is at Kansas City on a Thursday night. And, you know, I think I've made myself pretty clear over the years, and especially during our season previews, you don't want to be the team on traveling on a Thursday night. That's a low percentage to win historically straight up and especially against the spread over the years. So the first of that stretch starts at Kansas City. Home against Green Bay, home against Kansas City. Then they get that bye week that you talked about. Then they go to Buffalo. The Buffalo thing's on a Monday night at Buffalo, but you do have the bye week in between. So not only the bye week, but you get an extra day. So that's okay, but still, that's a tough scheduling stretch there. The worst thing to me in their schedule is they play three straight road games, and I hate that. Uh, the NFL has done a good job of reducing. The three straight road games thing, it used to be a much more, uh, you know, not quite standard procedure, but teams, uh, there were there were many more teams that played three straight road games uh, than, there are have, than there have been in the last three or four years. However, it just completely sucks when you have a team that plays three straight road games late in the season, and they have three straight road games in December, at Houston, which I think is going to be amongst the most improved teams in the league. At the Chargers, I'll hold off my opinion on them tomorrow when we preview the Chargers. And then at Detroit. Uh, and uh, they're going to be an underdog in two, two of those games for sure. And depending on their season goes and how Houston's season goes, I wouldn't be shocked if they weren't an underdog in that game. So that's a horrendous time to have three straight road games and considering – a couple of the opponents that are going to face. Most people seem to think the Lions are going to be really good. I'm not buying in on that completely. And the Chargers, uh, once again, I'll hold off on that to tomorrow. But certainly, I think almost everybody, including me, thinks the Chargers will be better than Denver. Yeah, so I think the question marks here are some of the teams that whether or not they're going to be better than advertised or live up to the hype, and that would be, you know, for me looking at the Commanders or the Bears going to be improved living up to the sudden kind of hype surrounding them, if you will, and, and hype, I guess, meaning, you know, five, six wins. Uh, and then as well for the Browns and for the Lions, all in all, though, this is somewhat of a, of a difficult schedule. 
Well, I guess. I mean, I don't pay that much attention to what I think actually is going to be good or not good. I do pay. I'm certainly aware of that. But I, I think that when I break down these schedules and have for many, many years, it's much more of a schedule construction thing of who do you play and do you have the three straight road games and you know four games in five weeks. So as I mentioned, and they have both these things working against them. The other uh, wide receiver I saw that the uh, Broncos signed today was Philip Dorsett. So I don't know if that changes your mind at all a little bit about yeah. some of the wide receivers they brought in. I don't even know he was still in the league, quite frankly. So he's been a, I think it's safe to say, a massive disappointment. And I mean massive disappointment because he was highly thought of back in the day. And the fact that he's still available today uh, tells you that I don't think the NFL thinks very highly of him at this point. The Broncos are over under eight and a half wins. We'll officially provide our answer for that around 1130. Still time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Uh, when I was looking through the prop totals here, they did not have Jerry Judy listed, obviously, because of the injury situation and concerns for him. And there wasn't much going on with the running backs. There wasn't much going on for the wide receivers. The only prop listed oh. was Russell Wilson over under 3,500 and a half yards, minus 112. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the running back thing. That's something we should have covered previously. Javante Williams, I'm not exactly sure what his status is. Remember, he had a horrible knee injury last October, tore two ligaments, did about everything wrong or everything go wrong to him in that knee that could possibly go wrong. Uh, he was a very promising player a couple years ago in his rookie season. Uh, bro, I think I'm pretty sure he actually either led the league in yards after contact or led the league in most broken tackles, which is not good for your longevity as a running back, but it was okay for them that year. And uh, they brought in some AJ Pirine, and they paid him a lot of money, uh, Pirine, because I don't think they were confident that Williams is going to be able to make it through the season. Also, you know, listen to, you know, podcasts and so forth and, I've heard at least a couple of podcasts mention that you know, people that are running backs that have come back from a similar knee injury, their success, uh, chance for you know, um, to duplicate previous success is not high. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Williams. Join the uh, Lombardi Foundation for a Continental Breakfast Buffet and Mimosa Bar before golfing 18 holes at the legendary Talking Stick Golf Club September 16th. Your golf experience will feature food, drinks, golf games, and giveaways as you enjoy a day out on the golf course. Get your tickets, LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. All of this is supporting organizations that help prevent cancer, provide the best care to those fighting it, and to find a cure once again it's september 16th at talking stick resort and the continental breakfast buffet and mimosa bar, bar before golfing 18 holes lombardifoundation.org slash lombardi dash southwest dash open the u.s they have their rider cup team solidified we'll dive into that here on the other side of the break it is the extra point right here on kdos am 1060 online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports
Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. point on this Wednesday, August 30th here on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until uh, noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. So the Ryder Cup the U.S. team has officially made their selections. Captain Zach Johnson made the announcements yesterday for the six captains' picks. They are Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas. And as it was on Monday's program, I felt that Brooks Kepka was going to make the squad and thought that Justin Thomas would not. And obviously that is uh, is incorrect here. And my immediate reaction, though, to that is that, that it's not justified there that Keegan Bradley deserves to be on this U.S. Ryder Cup squad. He had a much better year than Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas struggled mightily this year. He did not qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs. He was on the outside looking in, failed to make the top 70. Uh, He finished 32nd in strokes gained at 0.711 strokes. So he's always been a great ball striker. That's not been the question here. It's whether or not uh, his putter is going to cooperate and it certainly did not for him this year finished 137th in strokes gained putting losing 0.22 strokes uh, on the field so that was 137th in strokes gained putting this year he finished winless uh, and he had just three top tens so certainly Justin Thomas has the pedigree he's a two-time major champion and of course the argument here is that his Ryder Cup record this will be his third Ryder Cup but it's that it's 16 five and two but as and it comes to Keegan Bradley and what he's been able to do for himself this year he rededicated himself to to the game he, he you know what he was this guy who burst onto the scene he won a PGA championship early on in his career but he was someone that putted using the anchor putting and struggled mightily when the anchor putting became banned by the USGA. So he really had to revamp how it was that he was going to putt the golf ball and really uh, rededicated himself to the fitness side of things and came out here in the last couple of years and started playing some great golf. Uh, Two wins, six top tens this year. He finished 22nd in strokes gained at 0.885 and finished 21st in strokes gained putting at 0.447. So I just thought that uh, Keegan Bradley deserved to be on this U.S. Ryder Cup squad. Uh, In addition to that here, I'm glad to see that Brooks Koepka uh, qualified for this event. Obviously so much talked about with the PGA Tour Tour and live golf but the fact that he nearly qualified for the uh for the Ryder Cup team with points just by competing in major championships he's playing really good golf rounding into form uh so it was good to see him on the squad Ricky Fowler he finished on the outside of the top 12 in points but he's completely turned his game around contended he won this year I felt that that was a justified selection here Sam Burns he's an interesting one Really good friends with Scotty Scheffler. Played uh, played with Scotty in the President's Cup a couple of years ago. Struggled 
for his potential this year, though. He did win at the match play event. He finished 30th in strokes gained, 0.76, 11th in strokes gained putting, 0.584. I think you're just kind of expecting Sam Burns to to break out and become uh, what his potential and what his talent can be and just kind of underachieved a bit this year. But I don't have massive amounts of arguments there for Sam Burns being on or off the roster. So as it is making this team on points, it was Patrick Cantlay, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler. So those are your top 12 for the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Uh, the points are still up for grabs for Team Europe, though. Captain Luke Donald's captain's picks come on Monday, September 4th. You already have making the team Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, and Tyrrell And so there's still some possibilities there for Matt Fitzpatrick to automatically qualify. Still some possibilities for Tommy Fleetwood to automatically qualify. Even if either of them don't automatically qualify, Captain Luke Donald will certainly be making them a selection this season. The Ryder Cup is set. For September 29th through October 1st at Marco Simone Golf Club and Golf and Country Club in Rome, Italy. Uh, it's been quite some time since the U.S. squad has won a Ryder Cup on Europe, uh, European soil. So it'll be interesting to see how all of this comes together. Once again, it's Sam's Burns, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas as the captain's selections. Patrick Cantlay, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley, and Scotty Scheffler making it on points. As we conclude our number one of this Wednesday, August 30th edition of Extra Point, we'll make room for our number two. Your phone calls at 1115 if you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060. We'll talk about the Arizona Cardinals and their initial 53-man roster, some of the other moves from across the NFL. Bob will rejoin us as well. It's all happening here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Hour number two is next.